From the White House to your house, life is winning in America once again. But we gather here today because we know we still have much work to do. 47 years since the passage of the landmark Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, almost half a century after this hugely influential precedent was set, the challenge to keep abortion legal has not gotten any easier. This is extremely significant in that the protection provided by Roe v. Wade rested on the, quote, viability of the fetus, meaning its ability to survive outside of the room at a particular time. While this current political climate is due to a variety of circumstances, it is clear that advancements in reproduction-related technologies have created an environment in which denying the personhood of a clearly visible fetus is far more difficult. As the field of neonatology has expanded, so too has our ability, accordingly, to maintain the life of even more and more prematurely born fetuses. In this new era in which viability has moved even earlier and earlier on in pregnancies, the pro-life movement has made concerted and largely effective efforts to attract new members. This has largely left the pro-choice movement in the dust as they have failed to adequately address the topic of the fetus. In the words of one vehement pro-life advocate, Dan Andrews, This is the absurdity that they've been reduced to now as science and everything else shows that it is indeed a human growing inside of the womb. And to spit on that blessing that you've been given and to squash out that life before it even has a chance to thrive. In terms of the actual tactics and methods used by the pro-life movement to achieve their goals, it's key to understand how abortion is controlled mostly on the state level. This is where the pro-life movement has been fighting, and in many cases, winning their battles in recent years. Things like waiting periods, requirements for spousal and parental notification, ultrasound laws, and specialized zoning rules have all been aspects included in bills passed at the hands of the pro-life caucus. While the contentious battles fought on the state level have been key to furthering pro-life aims, the pro-life movement hopes to enlarge its impact to even greater heights in the coming elections. While the House of Representatives has had a pro-life caucus for multiple years now, it was not until 2018 that the U.S. Senate established its first pro-life caucus. In the words of Steve Daines, a Republican senator from Montana, the, quote, House and the Senate can work together on having more strategic approach in how we're going to move pro-life policies to the president's desk, end quote. Furthermore, one of the main goals of this move was to organize to get more conservative originalist judges on positions at the district and circuit court levels where they really make a difference. The way the pro-life movement has adapted to the more modern political climate can be seen in the way that they established this year's National March for Life with the theme of, quote, life empowers, pro-life is pro-woman. This rationale is based not only on the assumption of fetal value, with the desire to expose abortion as not just something that steals the lives of, quote, defenseless children, but also, end quote, as a grave injustice that marginalizes and devalues women. And yes, she has bodily autonomy, but the child growing inside her, that's not her.
God puts you in charge of that child. That's what God did. He put you in charge of that little soul while you're, while you're here on earth to raise them and to, and to teach them. This turn is especially striking in that, according to a Pew Research survey from the year 2018, the number of people from each political party that identify with the label feminists are 14% for Republicans and 60% of Democrats. Looking at the demographics, it's clear that garnering support from the Latinx community is potentially the most impactful way that the pro-life movement can secure its future. According to a Pew Research survey from 2009, 42% of American Catholics said abortion should be illegal in all or most circumstances. This discrepancy is quite telling, yet even more telling and potentially impactful is the fact that 55% of Hispanic Catholics and 61% of Hispanic Protestant millennials felt abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. This shows us that, Collectively, Hispanic immigrants are more strongly aligned with pro-life principles than U.S.-born white Americans. While increases in population, along with decreases in general religiosity, will likely make the issue of reproductive politics even more relevant for the next generation, it's important to keep in mind how the current population of the United States is just under 20% Hispanic. According to the Pew Research Center, by 2050, there will be approximately 111 million Hispanic individuals in the United States, jumping to 28% of the U.S. population. The expected increases in the population of Hispanic immigrants, combined with our knowledge of how these immigrants lean on abortion, ultimately leads to a recognition that this portion of the population will be most influential in determining the direction of reproductive policies. Given the way our country is almost evenly divided on the issue of abortion, by 2050, the Hispanic population will serve as a tiebreaker of sorts. According to a Gallup poll from 2018, 19% of Democrats see illegal immigration as a significant problem, compared with 75% of Republicans who see it, though. Whether or not we will see a shift in Republican attitudes towards illegal immigration in the coming decades is uncertain. However, what is clear is that looking to the future, it's clear that if the pro-choice movement wants to protect and secure access to abortion nationwide, securing the support from the Latinx community, those more likely to be aligned with pro-life cause will be integral in that process.